You're listening to a message from Severe Heights. To learn more about us, go to www.severeheights.org. I want to piggyback off of what Kari and Philly said. Just a reminder of worship. Every stream that flows, every wind that blows, and every star that glows screams that he is so good. And on behalf of how God works, you think about this. God made a seed that eventually became a tree. That became a cross to set all of us free. That's how he works. And you got to see people that went public on behalf of their faith in Jesus Christ. And I got choked up for Tammy. Some of you guys might recognize Tammy. She is a police officer that serves here with me on Sundays. And so I couldn't help it. But uh, man, all three of them. It was just beautiful. We had another one at, um, at the earlier service. So God is doing some special things in some unique ways. And so let me jump into the message. And uh, I want to begin by asking for show of hands, which is going to be tough because it's going to be a minority in the room. But how many people in this room, I'm getting you be bold, all right? How, how many people in this room don't like sports? I mean, you know, baseball, basketball, football. I'm going to see the show of hands. Like you despise it. Like 20 days from now, UT football, somebody said preach it. Uh, wow. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with that statement no matter what. I just, uh, but, but I get you. All right. For those that raise your hand there, I need to ask your forgiveness where I'm going for the next few minutes. All right. Um, if you do like sports, which I do. When I was younger, I used to really, really, really love this dude, Chris Berman. The reason I liked him so much is, uh, you know, some of his great statements. I think he could go all the way and back, 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 all those great statements. But periodically, he'd be the guy that would show up on Sunday nights and uh, focus on SportsCenter Top 10. And what that would mean is they would take kind of the, the week's best, best activities, best sports moments, and they would capture them and summarize them. And, and I remember just getting through ESPN just to get to that. Uh, there would be moments like uh, a walk-off home run. Many of you will remember that moment. Uh, there will be moments, this was later on, not Chris Berman, but others would do this, like a, uh, an incredible catch uh, to, to seal the deal. Um, other moments like uh, a buzzer beater to take care of a game. Um, perhaps, you know, moments like last year when someone defeated Bama. You know, it's like <laughs> these moments... Uh, I had, a, I had a feeling this service would go that way. But this, these are moments that are like top 10 worthy. But there are moments that are not top 10 worthy. Like moments that don't get the notoriety. Moments like uh, lifting weights. Moments like practices. Moments like running. Uh, mo- moments like stretching. Uh, those times that someone's shooting free throws, hundreds of free throws in a gym where there is no camera, there is no applause, there's no attention. Those are not top 10 worthy. I want you to consider not top 10 worthy today. I want us to think about those when we examine the details found in two chapters of Scripture. If you've got your Bibles, open them to Acts 19 and Acts 20. Uh, This story centers around the city of Ephesus. Tyler Bowen a few weeks ago addressed Ephesians, and I want to talk a little bit about the city. It's the fourth largest city in the world at that time, so think Hong Kong, think New York City. The Apostle Paul spends more time in the city than he does any other city. He spends three years in the city. But Acts 19 focuses in on two of those years. In two of those years, the Apostle Paul is planting churches. He's raising up leaders. He's leading people to Jesus Christ. And because it's a trade city in Ephesus, 
the good news of Jesus is going to spread rapidly. Now, in Acts chapter 19, the interesting thing is, even though Paul spent the vast majority of his time in Ephesus, two years only gets one chapter. And in that one chapter, or 41 verses, there are a few top 10 moments that took place over, over that two-year time frame. The top 10 moments, like 12 baptisms. It starts right off the bat. 12 great baptisms. It, it picks up a few verses later with miraculous healing. It, it picks up a few verses later about people that gave their life to Christ and they turned from this old, dark way of living and they decided as followers of Jesus, they were just going to get rid of all that bad stuff that they'd embraced in the past to the point of they sold 50,000 pieces of silver, turned it over, a new leaf. You say, well, what's that equivalent to? It would be equivalent today to $5.5 million. It happens in that story. Uh, what else happens in that story? There's a riot that breaks out in the theater of Ephesus because everyone's frustrated that the news of Jesus is spreading. Those are top 10 types of moments. It's fascinating. But around the edges of those top 10 moments are dull, monotonous, ordinary, normal, day after day, moment after moment, things that take place and they are repeated. And it creates the stories that we long for. Today's message is not about top ten. Today's message is all about those around the edges moments. Because it's vitally important that we as a church get this for the semester ahead. I'm not just interested. I'm interested. But I'm not just interested in what took place in Ephesus 2,000 years ago. The reason we study this is because I'm interested in what happens in this city today. This city in the days ahead. Um, the communities around this city establish this city, and everyone in this room represents people. People that love Jesus, that are used by God to do incredible, top ten types of things. But it takes small things to get there. I want you to consider kind of what you contribute. I want you to think about what you do Monday through Friday, perhaps your job, perhaps at home. I want you to think about the gifts that you have and how we together can leverage those gifts in an incredible way. Today, I want to remind you, it's not always top 10 stuff. As a matter of fact, most of the time, it's not. I want to expose something today. I want to expose a few things that might get in your way of being used by God to accomplish something great. On behalf of what God wants to accomplish in this city, I want to talk today about why it can be so challenging for you and I to be all in in the weeks ahead. I want to address this issue head on, and I want to give reasons that you struggle and I struggle. Number one, ready? What we do? It can be dull. As some might say, it's borderline boring. Listen to the details that are included in Acts 19 about Paul. Acts 19, verse 9, he took the disciples with him, had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Now, at the beginning of Paul's time in Ephesus, he's in a Jewish synagogue doing this, but he got kicked out. We're out as welcome. Somehow he finds out about the lecture hall of Tyrannus, and he either borrows it or he rents it. And every day, for two years, he meets in that lecture hall and has conversations with people. Again and again, over and over. Theologians highlight that most likely the Apostle Paul would meet every day between the hours of 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. because that's when the market was at its busiest. Day after day, week after week, month after month, for two full years. Guys, you do the math, that's over 700 days. You break down the time frame, that's equivalent to over 3,000 hours in a rented space that's borrowed in a lecture hall of Tyrannus. 
I want you to think about it. That means if you were in that spot back then, and you heard about this Jesus movement with these followers of Jesus, and you're kind of intrigued, and you're going through some tough stuff, and you were to walk through the marketplace and say, I've heard about this thing called church and, and, and some things that God's doing, and this guy named Paul, do you have anything about it? Do you know what, what's going on? They say, oh, that's, that's the lecture hall of Tyrannus. That's up the street and to the right. Or perhaps a lady that's walking through the marketplace and she's anxious over a sickness and she's longing for, for hope. She's longing for, for answers to questions. And, and she walks among friends and she's beginning to tell the story of something that's happening in the city of Ephesus. And she asks the question, have you heard anything about this church and these followers of Jesus? And they'd make a response. Oh, yeah, that, that's up the street and to the right, the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Paul's always there. Or perhaps, uh, since it's a trade city, uh, sailors come in on a boat. And sailors being sailors, they're looking for a great time in the city of Ephesus. As they leave the boat, one of the sailors is walking around, wandering the streets, and he sees an open door. He listens just for a moment, wondering what's going on inside. And someone quotes Jesus. Makes the statement that you will have life and have it to its fullest. Like a life worth meaning. That sailor hears those words kind of intrigued, but goes back to the boat the next day. Six months later, he comes back, and that, that statement couldn't get out of his head. So what does he do? He goes up the street and to the right, sneaks into that back room and sits in the back corner, and he listens. I'm telling you, time and time again, for two years, day after day, moment after moment from 11 to 4, the Apostle Paul is up the street and to the right. We examined this principle last week. Some of our greatest influences come from doing the same activity with the same people in the same place. Again and again and again. I want to remind you today, anything you do long enough can cease to be interesting. And as a follower of Jesus, don't forget this. You don't do it just because it's interesting. You do it because it is life-giving. Notice what happens is because Paul embraces this habit of teaching up the street to the, light and to the right in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Verse 10, the following verse. So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now, it's not exactly what I expected to see. I thought, so all people could. No, what Acts tells us, Luke who writes Acts, he's like, look, I was there. Everybody found out. The Jews, the Greeks, all of Ephesus. He makes a statement that even, even the, the western province of province of Asia. That means all of Turkey. Meaning the cost to the Apostle Paul embracing the dull, like the boring, day after day in the lecture hall of, of Tyrannus, up the street and to the right. The cost was everybody was hearing about this. So when you and I see this, that means the word of God spread. You and I need to consider the implications of this. On behalf of these times that Paul put in, on behalf of the days at times, it had to be dull. I bet there were times that it's like boring. As a matter of fact, I bet there are times that it got old. But understand, on behalf of what you do and what I do, it doesn't have to be new and interesting to be good. Our culture is increasingly allergic to boredom. And so if everything has to be new and interesting, you and I will miss out on opportunities for influence. And consequently, we find ourselves bouncing around from one thing to the next to the next. But you and I have to understand the places you'll make the greatest impact are places that you land for at least a little while. For Paul, it was a lecture hall up the street and to the right. And he brought himself fully 
again and again, even when it got old. I have a question for you. Is there anything that you're currently doing that's bringing life to other people, but it's just getting old? Parents, preschoolers, school-aged kids, coaches, teachers, volunteers in church like that are serving in different aspects here. Don't forget, it does not have to be new and interesting to be good. I've said it before, and I don't want you to forget this. Faithfulness is not flashy. And we're reminded of that by the Apostle Paul. Better yet, faithfulness can be dull. Borderline boring. It can be monotonous, mundane. That's why today we're sweating the small stuff. There is meaning in the mundane. So remember, like, part of the reason that you think, and I think that, oh, I'm not doing top ten stuff, is because... Well, it's just dull. It's, it's ordinary. Well, by the way, if you notice, when theologians say that Paul worked in the lecture hall up the street to the right, it's typically from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Some of you are probably wondering, what in the world was Paul doing before that? Well, it might surprise you, but Paul was working a job. He went to work. So when the sun would rise, he'd go to work before he would go to the lecture hall, which leads to a problem that you and I have for number two, thinking that we'll never be used for significant matters. Ready? What you do and what I do, it can be ordinary. It can be ordinary. Now, be patient with me as I describe this, because Acts 19 highlights those two years that the Apostle Paul was serving in Ephesus. But he would make some trips around the area. And after two years of serving, he's like, it's time to go to a new city, to start a new church, to write new letters, to raise up new leaders. And at the end of that two-year time, he's about to say goodbye. So he calls all the men and women that are serving in leadership at the church in Ephesus. And he says, hey, I want you guys to meet me down south about 30 miles in the city of Miletus. Well, you get to Acts chapter 20 now. Acts 20 is his talk at this leadership conference, a retreat, with the church leaders from Ephesus. And what he's about to tell them is goodbye. It's an incredible speech. It's heartfelt. It's moving. People are crying. And in the middle of that speech, Paul reminds them how he spent all his time before that 11 o'clock time for the last two years while in Ephesus. Acts 20, verse 34, you yourselves know these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. So part of Paul's speech is reminding them that he had a normal, ordinary job just like everyone else. Paul made tents. Paul fixed umbrellas and awnings because... The Mediterranean heat was like rotisserie hot, like the wedding that I was at this weekend. No offense, they were at the last service. It was rotisserie hot, all right? Paul, his job was to make tents, onis, and repair umbrellas. So think about it. He gets up early, daylight. He's going to a normal, ordinary job, and he's using his hands. Some of you are thinking, about, oh, that's an apostle Paul that wrote most of the New Testament. Why is he doing that? Especially when he could be doing the Lord's work. Uh, if you were to ask that to Paul, can I tell you his answer? Making quality tents and mending awnings is not a waste of time. Making quality tents and mending awnings is the Lord's work. Biblically speaking, it is a tragedy for any of us in this room to think that God sees a separation between secular and sacred when it comes to your job. Unfortunately, here's how we think. Okay, secular. Uh, that's roofing houses, helping somebody with a home mortgage, selling real estate, making pizzas. 
I don't have a sacred job. Sacred jobs are Bible study, prayer, going to church. Not so. That's why the Apostle Paul made tents and mended awnings and umbrellas. So much so that Paul knew God didn't see a difference between second and sec- sacred and secular on behalf of the job. Paul would write another church called Colossae, the book of Colossians, 130 miles that way from Ephesus. And he would tell them this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, whatever you do, as working for God, not for human masters. The context in this verse is not like church work. Matter of fact, he's writing in the verse to first century slaves. First century slaves that would be hired as an accountant for a family, a nurse for a family, that would be hired to do different things for different families. He's telling them, whatever you do, doesn't matter if you work in their orchard, their vineyard, whatever you do. So if you design houses, if you build houses, if you paint houses or clean houses, whatever you do, do it for God. If you own a restaurant, if you manage a restaurant, if you cook at a restaurant, if you serve at a restaurant, whatever you do, you do it for God. Pour your heart into it as unto God. Here's why this is so important for us to embrace. Those in this room that have normal, ordinary jobs, the message of Jesus will never take hold in our community if the message of Jesus is confined to these walls. This means take Jesus to work with you. And it doesn't just mean, okay, tell everybody you can about Jesus even when it's like awkward and inappropriate. No, there's depth to following Jesus at work. On behalf of your work as a follower of Jesus, are you on time? Do you work hard? Can you bring a healthy attitude to a lousy day? Because if you're perpetually late, if you're lazy and you have a lousy attitude and people find out you're a follower of Jesus, it don't add up. And let me take a moment to talk about quality of work as a follower of Jesus. Can you imagine anybody saying... Paul may love Jesus, he just can't build a tent. How about Jesus as a carpenter? Oh, he may claim to be the son of God, but don't buy a table from him. No, they did quality work, ordinary jobs that were normal. By the way, the Bible's filled with these types of people. Noah built boats. Gideon was in the military. And Nehemiah helped rebuild a city. Daniel served in politics. Mary, a stay-at-home mom. So when you think what you do is dull and ordinary, understand that those are behind-the-scenes things that matter. So please, by all means, sweat the small stuff. So think about it. Paul gets up early, and he goes to an ordinary, normal job. 1045 comes around. He goes up the street to the right to the lecture hall. Has conversations with people. Some of you are thinking, oh, what about those top 10 moments? Because so far, Tim, it's dull. So far, Tim, it's kind of ordinary. Maybe the next one is going to be just huge, and, and the gates flood open. Actually, no. It's another reason that you and I struggle with what we do and how God could use it in a powerful way. We think, you know what? What I I do can be small. Let's go back to Paul's goodbye speech. Acts 20, verse 20. He's reminding them again what he did. He said, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. In the first century, there were no church buildings yet. Followers of Jesus and those intrigued by Jesus would gather in houses. You've got to understand it wasn't the space that made the gathering special. It was the gathering that made that space special. The problem is when you and I think house, 
Average house size in Tennessee is 2,100 square feet on a half an acre. Get that thought out of your head. In the city of Ephesus, square footage is at a premium. So think apartments. Think studio apartments. When Paul's meeting house to house, they're cramming, let's say five, ten, maybe a dozen people in a room. So when Paul taught house to house, he was deeply devoted to something small. And think about the backgrounds of the people that were in that room. A woman that was anxious. A sailor that was wild. Someone that was religious and spiritual, but they missed Jesus. A thief. A prostitute. Kids. Adults. And they're all gathered in this room to hear about grace. This is where meaningful relationships in small settings take place around biblical content. And understand... This impacts us. Never underestimate the power of small things done repeatedly. That's why we're here today. Jesus made a promise. The book of Matthew, he said this. I will build my church. Nothing's going to stop it. That's five Simple, one-syllable words. I, meaning Jesus, will, means he was going to do this. Build, it's like he's the architect, he's the engineer, he's the builder. My, don't forget it's his church. This gathering of followers of Jesus. And nothing's going to stop it. And, and think about it. What kept it going? What Jesus chooses to use is people just like you and me. People like Paul, Acts 19, Acts 20. People that embrace dull ordinary responsibilities, activities that seem normal, just difficult, kind of get old, things that, that don't seem big, things that feel insignificant and small. I, I want to close with a quote from this guy. This is Admiral William McRaven. He's an elite Navy SEAL that now trains other Navy SEALs. Many of you have heard his story. If you haven't, let me kind of catch you up to speed. He was asked to speak at a graduation commencement speech, and he did so. Talked about the things that he's learned throughout life. Talked about becoming a Navy SEAL, and one of the first tasks they taught them was to make their bed in the mornings. Everybody's dumbfounded, like, like make your bed. He's like, yeah, they, they would expect it. They would examine it. You would get graded on how you made a bed. And then he was known for making this statement. If you can't do the little things right, You'll never do the big things right. Pretty good point. It's what we've talked about today. But let me tell you this. That video went viral for a different reason. Today, that video has 35 million views on YouTube. And it's because of this statement. He looked at the eyes of those students and he said, if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. On behalf of our time together today, this is how I'd say it. If you want to change the world like the Apostle Paul, Start by embracing things considered dull, ordinary, and small. Here's why. Because learning to do dull, ordinary, and small things well makes a big difference. I want you to think about this city. I want you to think about your community, your school, your neighborhood, your job. Let it sink in. I know there are times you're wore out. It's dull. 
ordinary feels so insignificant. I'm going to beg you, don't forget this in the weeks ahead. Life is a gift and eternity is real. The only thing that brings them together is Jesus. So embrace the small. Embrace the dull. Embrace the ordinary because that's where God does his greatest work. Remember, he made the seed. A small seed that grew into a tree that was fashioned into a cross to set you and I free. Today with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to be encouraged. If you're wore out in some capacity that you volunteer, standing at a door watching kids in preschool, serving with students, helping in the parking lot, if you're wore out at work, it seems so ordinary, so normal. If what you do feels small, it's kind of getting old. Understand that that is what happens around the edges for significant eternal things. And I want to encourage you to continue to give it everything you've got. Father, I pray that today we would be reminded of the significance of small, dull, and ordinary. I pray that this time now would be used to focus our mind on how those things impact eternal things. And may we not forget that life is a gift. And eternity in heaven or hell is real. And the only thing that brings them together is Jesus.